However, before the arrival of Faithfulness, we were being guarded by Torah and closed together in anticipation of the Faithfulness about to be revealed. So then the Torah became our nanny for Christ, so that by Faithfulness we would be made just. But since Faithfulness has arrived, we're no longer under a nanny, for you are all children of God through the Faithfulness of Christ Jesus. For whoever of you were submersed for Christ, you covered yourselves with Christ. One who is within is neither Jew nor Greek, neither enslaved nor free, not male and female. You're all one within Christ Jesus. So if you are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs based on a promise. May this be to us a seed of curiosity and longing. Hello and welcome to Lectio Cascadia. My name is Brandon Rhodes and I am glad you're here. Thank you as always to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music. Now I've got no wise anecdote to start this one off. I just want to dive right into it. There's a lot in this and you might want to listen to it twice. It's a big retelling that helps make sense of of what this passage was about. This excerpt is, uh, it's like the last few inches of a sparkling, crackling, burning fuse before the explosion of radical implications at its very end. Um, if you think Paul's been doing a lot of in-house arguments that helpful, helped then, but are kind of weird to look into now, wait and see what the payload is like. It took work to get here. And there's going to be weeks of implication after this. There's, but And we've had lots of sparking fuse to follow. But damn, is it good. It's a big bang. <laughs> uh, you're going to love and probably going to hate where this goes. So Paul's been arguing about on what ground outsiders can become insiders in this Jesus movement. And it's been a, a question of how you tell their sacred story, their people's sacred story, the story of their ancestors and their creator. And until you hear that story in debate for what it is, little of Paul's letter makes much sense. But the skeleton of that story, like most any story, is problem, plan, obstacle, solution. So let's walk through them. The problem. Well, the problem is, well, a lot, Uh, but centrally, it's that humanity is tearing itself apart. Their origin stories don't just have one quote-unquote fall story, you know, of the two naked gardeners eating the wrong thing and now everything's off course. No, there's many more escalating falls or maybe fallouts, these cataclysms. So those two naked gardeners, well, before them, we got it. There's something important that we should hone in on. The first human is called Earth Creature, and they are, as far as we can tell, androgyne. They, very much being the appropriate pronoun here, um, neither male nor female, nor two-spirit, nor non-binary, simply, I guess maybe non-binary, but really neuter, the uh, ancient language there seems to tip in that direction. Now, why am I mentioning this? You'll see. It, it, it shows up later. If you were paying good attention to the passage at the beginning, you may already have a sense. 
So the legend goes that humanity begins as one, lacking the difference and diversity we see in all other creatures that allows them to flourish and multiply and overcome difference. So creator splits earth creature in two. No, 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 no. The, the creator doesn't take a rib out. The old word used there suggests like a splitting in two. Um, you can't see it. I'm like running my hand top to bottom. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, interestingly, it's a similar image as what happens to a cow later on in the story when a promise is given. Now there is, now after the earth creature has been split in two, there's male and female difference and new possibilities. And here within unity and difference, our species is hailed as bearing the image of creator. Male and female, you created them. In the image of God, you created them. So you know what happens next with the, the snake and the tree and the fruit and all that. Now note that men subjugating women is part of the fallout of that story. You know, it's like, okay, it's going to be harder to work the ground, and women, it's going to be, childbearing, childbirth is going to be, oy. Um, and there's, there's a line in there basically saying the subjugation of women by men and women being caught up in that system is part of the fallout. Distinction of male and female becomes uh, a, a source for division and domination, not something new. And yeah, that's going to come up when we get back to Galatians. And then the next like fallout is jealousy leads to one of their kids killing his brother. And then some humans begin to find union, not with creator, but with angels. And so they create monsters. There's then violence in the next generation consumes the descendants of the earth creature. Uh, do you see this cascading wave of just like shit falling apart. Um, and that violence consumes all descendants of the earth creature until a handful of uh, huddle in a big zoo boat, basically, to weather out the cataclysm that resets the world around them. Let's try it again. And then <laughs> another concentric ring of fallout. Humanity decides to obliterate difference through sameness, monotony, uniformity, strength. Everyone speaks the same language and makes bricks for this big imperial project. Sounds like Egypt. Uh, Crater blows on their distinction dissolution project as if blowing on a dandelion and sends difference of language around the world. Stop trying to build yourself up. And make, but in, in a way that makes everyone the same. Diversity becomes creator's gift to inhibit empire building. So humanity is all over the place. The script is falling apart. We keep spiraling and creator keeps doing damage control. So that's the problem or problems. In a lot of ways, it is a, the problem is the question of our ability to hold difference together. Next up, the plan. So creator talks to this old dude, Abraham, who changes his name to Abraham because of what happens next. Um, creator tells him basically, hey, 
Creation's going to get back on track. Humanity is going to get back on track through your descendants. My promise is that all of humanity is going to find their dignity and liberation through your descendants. The array of ethnicities will all be in on what is to come. It's a crazy big promise, but that's the starting point where the plot begins to point towards a horizon of resolution to all of the fallout stories. And it takes a while. After centuries of subjugation by this Egyptian empire where they're baking bricks, uh, they're beginning to re-go back in the story. The story is regressing back to that story of a brick-making empire. Those descendants, are, after centuries, are liberated, and they, they receive Torah, this, character, this charter for life together that's been so central to the question Paul has been asking in his time. So Torah, as this charter for life together, has these rules about how to be distinct, how to get your shit together, how to take care of each other, making it a point to reset debts and land consolidation regularly so everyone has a future and everyone has enough. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Male circumcision in this is the, is the ritual for entering into this Torah community, this anti-Egypt community, this lifeboat for the promise given to Abraham. Because, yeah, how could they feel a sense of hope that the promise given to Abraham could find maturation and expression when the children of Abraham are kept under an empire? Somehow the promise would arrive. What held them together toward that day was Torah, the gift of beloved particularity amid a diverse humanity to make way for a beloved universality. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So here's the rub. The obstacle to the plan. That's the third part, right? Um, Problem. Plan, obstacle. And here it is. Torah says that if you can't stay on the path, if you can't stay in the, in the lifeboat, hardship comes. And they struggle with it, and hardship does come. Torah promises that after that hardship should come the promise. Eventually, the divine would be faithful beyond their faithlessness, uh, he would outflank uh, our bullshit somehow. Who knows how? But it would happen. So no wonder Paul calls Torah a nanny. It's, a, it's not a bad word. It's a good thing. It's a good companion to whether the years of formation to form the people like a nanny forms us, um, gives us boundaries, good boundaries to hold us back from harm and a loss of identity. It's there to get us to a transition point in our lives. That's what a, a nanny does, and that's what Torah does. It's formation for the fullness of life and a protecting uh, a protection, a protection of the promise. 
But by the way, it's worth saying here on that, that, that nanny thing. Did you notice that Paul didn't call Torah their father or their mother? It's the nanny, not the source of their identity, Abraham's promise bearers. It's not Father, a- <laughs> father Abraham. Torah is the nanny. It's the guardian of that identity. It's not even Abraham's promise, by the way. It's creator's promise to Abraham. See, even what feels like the most important things, the gifts that have been with us all our lives for what feels to be a lifetime and beyond, the way we've always done it, the thing that makes us a family, the thing that makes us a people, are all like Torah. They're all penultimate. They're not the destination. They're always at best second in line. The raw gift, to the raw gift of existence, of divine embrace, that's the real source of our identity and our belonging. Torah is a gift from that in service to us and that, not the other way around. That's what's beneath it all. Whatever's holding you now, there's a good chance it's not going to hold you forever. Like the shell of a lobster that has to be shed in order to grow over and over and over again. The structures and securities that you have are not to be grasped, but possibly to be held in gratitude and interrogated for ways that they may be used to harm and hold back. So, the solution, right? Promise is here in Jesus. And in the paragraphs I didn't read at the start of this episode, like the the paragraph before it, Paul's basically saying, hey, Jesus was the one descendant of Abraham. He was the one descendant of Abraham who was the lifeboat, ultimately, uh, the, the bearer of the promise, who under Torah carried that payload, who bore promise to birth. So the the job of Israel, the job of the peop- of the descendants of Abraham to bear the promise is ultimately what the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, does. That's why, that's what all the faithfulness of Christ Jesus stuff is about. It's, it's not about our faith in Jesus. It's about the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. He was and did the cosmic job of Israel. Torah had done its job, and now a new kind of belonging, one pattern af- patterned after the promise, not in protection of the promise, is what is here now. Torah did its job, and now a new kind of belonging, one patterned after the promise, not in protection of it, is what is here. I'm going to say that for a third time, a little slant. The kind of holy belonging that came through the faithfulness, the life of Christ, is patterned after the promise itself, which, again, remember, the promise that Creator gave Abraham. Dignity and liberation for all people. That's the promise. 
And that's what comes through the faithfulness of Christ. And yeah, af- and it is patterned also after Jesus as the promise bearer. But that means the kind of belonging we are called to is not to protect the promise, but to live into it. And that promise, it's the undoing of all those fallouts of putting humanity back on track as participants in the fullness of the divine life. The divisions between ethnicities and scattered languages is behind us because the promise is for all nations, neither Jew nor Greek. The violence and enslavement and debt and empire is behind us as well, neither enslaved nor free. So living into the promise through Jesus, um, well, the, the good, if also complicated, diversity of human cultures is something we, um, we in the promise trespass and find ways to make penultimate to the kind of beloved community that the promise creates. That even includes Torah. No more domination or violence there. And the thoroughly bad stuff, now, you know, that, that's, the, that's the, like the kind of, the good-ish stuff that becomes like uh, um, a foothold for us being harmful to each other. Um, that's penultimate. Even the stuff we think is from God, like Torah. But then there's, it's also true, obviously, <laughs> more easily, more easy to digest, right? Um, is the thoroughly bad stuff like an enslavement and debt, economic regimes of exploitation and power that define our worth and circumscribe the possibility of our lives. That's all penultimate too. You aren't, by definition, your power station or lack of power. It's all penultimate, too. We find ways to belong beyond our domination in the promise. Now, that gets us to the third one in the list, male and female. The first two are from kind of fallouts later in the story, and they're paired with neither nor, right? Neither Jew nor Greek, enslaved nor free. Here, Paul is tipping his hand. Do you see what he did? He doesn't say male or fe- neither male nor female. He says male and female. That's... Rhetorically, it would make sense to keep it all. Neither nor, neither nor, neither nor. Instead, it's neither nor, neither nor, and. <laughs> male and female. See, he's quoting that early story where earth creature becomes earth creatures plural. He's saying that even that first distinction that matured us into image bearers before any fall or fallout, even that first distinction is a place for new kinds of belonging in Christ, in the promise. This holy belonging goes all the way back. There's no boundary or distinction left untouched by the scandalous kind of um, belonging of the promise, a belonging built around breaking down barriers and boundaries. And here it is. Our old wounds of old cleavings become creator's focus for new grafting. Old cleaving become where creator crafts in anew. 
what was meant to scab over becomes a place of new growth and belonging. And not just a new growth. Yeah, it's not it's actually not a new growth. It's a grafting in. If we feel secure as the trunk, there's going to be something that's going to get grafted in and it's probably going to come on a place of our woundedness and cleaving. In Jesus, the grounds of our belonging have inverted because the story has moved forward. Our identity marker is inverted. Instead of the boundaries that kept the promise safe, we and the promise are marked precisely by our steadfast faithfulness to overcome boundaries of alienation and harm. Instead of preserving boundaries, we jump over them and break them apart. It's inverted. It's flipped. One scholar, Willie James Jennings, great guy, says, Jesus people are together to be a publicly boundary transgressing kinship network. Ah, I love it. A publicly boundary transgressing kinship network. It's so good. You know, where there's neither Jew nor Greek, enslaved nor free, male and female, cis or trans, gay or straight, literate or illiterate, American or non-American, black or white, rich or poor, documented or undocumented, housed or unhoused, you are all one within Christ Jesus. So if you are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs, based on a promise. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you.